Good evening and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed, Ed, Mike, myself, Steve, and our special guest, Daniel Jupp, back from the UK. Daniel, since you haven't been here in a while, I'll let you fill us in on the King and then whatever else you want to fill us in on before we cut you off rudely. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Um, well, in the UK, obviously, the, the sort of fairly big news is... Um, uh, a cancer diagnosis or a, a, a cancer disclosure uh, regarding um, King Charles III. Um, it's, you know, he's got a fair amount of comment. Um, but uh, as I was saying, you know, before we came on air, um, the thing that's sort of interesting about it for me is the, the this question of how far down the rabbit hole we go when we... Um, distrust authorities and distrust the news that we're given on a surface level because you know i think anyone even remotely awake knows that things are manipulated psyops are generated that there's a huge amount of distortion and everything we um hear from mainstream media but uh, at the same time there's this got to be some kind of rational balance to what we respond to that with and um it seems like some people don't have that rational balance. For example, that you know, I saw very quickly people saying um, this is all a psyop and it's to prep for a um, you know a new cancer treating product, an mRNA product. Um, and you know, I, I don't put that beyond the capacities of the uh, psychopathic behaviour of the people in charge. But at the same time, it, it, it's, you know, it's a bit of a quick rush to that kind of extreme conclusion from people. And uh, and then you have some people saying he doesn't have cancer. Um, uh, I, I just think it's a it's a bit of a bit of an outlier, that kind of response. And, you know, we've got to be sure that, that we are being ridiculous in some of our responses. Um, you know, you just have to look at how. Uh, QAnon was used, you know, QAnon was used against anyone who was criticising what was happening. Um, we've got to be careful with what we say sometimes, I think. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I, there was a little bit of that in our top secret chat during the week, too, because I shared the account of uh, somebody on X and, you know, they were all into, you know, uh, the idea that the vaccines are really bad and could cause autism and things like that. And there was a lot more to her page to be to, to the credit of the person's account. Um, and, you know, there was some give and take with some of us on, on that. And yeah, I don't want to be a conspiratorial, conspiratorial or tinfoil hat or jump to these conclusions. Um, but the reality is the, Elites, the experts, the ruling class have kind of driven us to this in a large part, right? That we're more willing to believe certain things. We're more cynical. And it's 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 hard to find that right balance, right? Where we don't want to look stupid because it only hurts our own cause. This is why I think logic is so important. Because, you know, basic logic tells you uh, when maybe that the effort that would be required for, for some manipulation exceeds the reward they would gain from it by, an you know, an order of magnitude that would make doing it ridiculous in the first place. 
and I, I and I think that kind of basic level of, of logical analysis um, is, is what's often missing. Um, you well, know, that's you said, think that they don't do psyops just for the sake of psyop. I mean, I don't think they necessarily have to gain are doing it to gain anything. Sometimes they just it's a way of exerting power. I mean, listen, I I um, have. I've Sorry, got a couple go of face, Facebook friends who think the whole Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing is some sort of conspiracy to like, you know, kind of like get our attention over here while they're doing something over here. And it's like, you know, come on, it's like enough, you know. Well, see, they're, they're, but again, that's that's one that, I, you know, I, I have come out and I've said, I think that one is a soil in certain ways. You know, I think she independently became famous. Um but I think the wall-to-wall -wall coverage we've had recently is designed to basically gear those people up to be told by Taylor Swift where to vote in the 2024 election. And I don't think that's a kind of crazy theory to think of that. But again, it's like, you know, what what would be within logical bounds that they could do? Um, not that they are logical people and always behave in a rational manner because they aren't. You know, and and they they are in love with power, as as Ed suggests. So they would use it purely for their enjoyment of it at times. But there are logical limits on and what we can what we can assert that they are doing. Um, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. And um, you know, with the Taylor Swift psyop psyops uh, idea, uh, I think it's very very true that they would. Um, go all in on building up a cult-like following for a pop star who they know is going to endorse their political candidate. And the control of the yeah. media is, is so absolute that they can do that. And well, when you look at the, the level of kind of coverage that it's been given, it's insane. Yeah. Well, I, I would, I think I would, to that point real quick, I, I saw something, uh, I think Megyn Kelly was calling for people to boycott Taylor Swift because I think she went to some pro Gaza event and yeah, I don't know all the right. details yeah, about it um, but I, I saw that yeah. and I was like you know you want to become unpopular quickly with at least half the country <laughs> you're on your way if that's what you want to do well Mike you just anticipated uh -huh. the answer to the, the, the question I was going to ask which is why would they pick Taylor Swift as their as their model I mean she's a good looking white straight woman I mean, well, she's more very popular with the young generation. The young generation doesn't vote. True. Obviously, you, none of us are going to vote uh, mm -hmm. for any candidate uh, or dog catcher based on uh, Taylor Swift's recommendation. But she does mm -hmm. have a lot of influence in the, uh, you know, 18 to 30 generation or 18 to 35. And uh, those people don't tend to vote. And I, I think it's more on the order of uh, a get out the vote campaign rather because they tend to be more leftist than, than it is. I mean, the, the thing that, I, you know, if I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on today, the thing that I'm not entirely sure of is the fact that they actually have a relationship between Travis Kelsey and, and Taylor Swift. If you've seen any of the women who football players date, um, they, uh, they, you know, like Tom Brady and Giselle, right? I mean, that's that's the level of, of women. Uh, any of these football players could date any, uh, you know, hot 25-year-old model, um, and yet 
you know, he's dating this 34-year-old a woman who has uh, gone through uh, boyfriends, uh, you know, like uh, like my wife goes through paper towels, this one after another after another. She is not a high high status, uh, you know, person, and uh, I, I I think that it might be a publicity stunt on both of their parts. Uh, not there's that, also things was, like you know there are things that back up a kind of psyops interpretation of it. You know, the the fact that that her catalog was purchased by a Soros subsidiary. The fact that, um, you know, he was a Pfizer poster boy. Um, and, you know, and when it says, uh, um, you know, why her? Well, it's not like they haven't done this with other celebrity endorsements and celebrity stars before, is it? You know, celebrity endorsement is a standard thing. All we're saying additionally here, really, is would they puff this person up exceptionally and more than their coverage would normally be? in order to, to get those votes where she will endorse. And I think they would. And, um, you know, the, the they did they did that really with Beyonce as well before this. And they, um, you know, if you look at um, the way, uh, who's the other one? Uh, Lady Gaga was attached at the hip to Biden in 2020. You know, that was a test run for, for what they're trying to do with Taylor Swift here, in my view. Yeah, I mean, I think Taylor Swift uh, doesn't so much care. I, I, I guess I think they're just, you know, I don't think she realizes that she's being used. Um, you know, she is she is trying to get her music back from this um, from the Soros backed uh, organization. Um, but like, do you really believe that she's smart enough to understand that the uh, people she's, uh, you know, associating with are the and and promoting are the same people who, uh, from her perspective, screwed her? I, I don't I don't see it. But I mean, you know, the, the truth of the matter is she should come out as a Republican if she really believed that Soros and the left uh, stole her intellectual property. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But um, you know. You don't have to be smart to be owned, do you? Uh, you, you or um, you know, or used. Uh, in fact, it yeah. helps not to be. Wow. So yeah, it's an interesting you, thing. I, I, it does Liberty seem Black fake, should though. put out a uh, branded uh, tinfoil hat now. <laughs> the newest, the newest wow. merch. Uh, you know, it's kind of scary that the Overton window has moved so far. That we have to have a discussion on what's conspiracy and not mm -hmm. on such extreme yeah. levels. And even the ones we think are conspiracies and nutty probably aren't. It's pretty sad. You know, I, I was talking to some millennials the other day uh, and maybe, you know, people in their late 20s, early 30s. And the consensus was the moon landing didn't happen. That's that was the, the, the consensus. It was all faked. And um and of course, this is ridiculous for a number of reasons, and I, which I could go into uh, if anybody cares. But it, it's gotten to the point where even, you know, the the level of of logical rigor required to understand like what it would take to fake the moon landing, um, it's, you know, would be more complicated than actually landing on the moon. Um, the 
that's just absent in that generation. They have no idea. So, you know, when it when it comes to something like Pfizer fa- falsified the trials, or you know, it, it's certainly true that you know more people died in the in the in the trial arm than it did in the placebo arm. That's actually in the data that came out. Um, whether they actually falsified it, there's a lot of allegations to that. Um, on the one hand, you know, um, that that seems perfectly reasonable to me that this company that has been convicted of multiple crimes multiple times might have falsified their trials to make it look like their drug is safe and effective. That that seems logical to me, whereas, you know, faking the moon landing in 1969 seems ridiculous to me. But to I think the younger generation, everything is fake. Everything. Well, is, not everything is fake, only uh, in one yeah. direction. Yeah. <laughs> the trouble is, is isn't it, is when you're uh, traditional trusted sources of news and authority and uh, this is how the world is, are all liars and are all known liars and repeatedly liars and, you know, manipulated in obvious ways. Um, you're left in a situation where you're in the category of people because you're questioning the things that are actually lies, you're going to be alongside people who are nuts at times. You know, uh, you are going to be alongside people. You know, I've, I've lost track of the number of times I've had conversations with people and, you know, I've agreed with them, you know, yes, there are these uh, malign elites and they're doing horrible things and, uh, you know, there's no kind of rational reason for some of the things they're doing. Uh, yes, there's this. Yes, there's that. And you agree with about three stages and then eventually you get to a stage where they'll then turn around and say, and it's all controlled by the British royal family, or it's all the Jews, or it's, you know, and, and that's when you go, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, and uh, and we've all had that, I think. Anyone who questions things knows that the mainstream lies constantly, but you also know that 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 your kind of truther community or whatever you want to call it, the people who are questioning has also got some very strange people in there. Well, I think a long time ago, you were not, if you questioned the Kennedy assassination, weren't you? Huh. So yeah. enough, you got you got Bobby Kennedy out there naming names. So <clears throat> it's hard I to- I don't know. Oliver Stone reach. made a whole movie about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. is Alex Jones or is he still insane? It's- it's an interesting question. Uh, well, well the, the most interesting thing with, with the Kennedy stuff, and there's loads of people who've done really good good stuff on it, that, that it's kind of what would they lose now by saying, yeah, that, 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 like it wouldn't change anything, really, if they came out and they said, well, yeah, actually the, the CIA was involved and, and uh, there was a conspiracy to kill him. And we, you know, they did bump him off. But that was then, and they, mm-hmm. those guys were nuts. You know, there's almost they wouldn't lose anything by admitting it now. But I think there's always been a healthy skepticism of what happened that day. It's not it's not like the 9-11 conspiracy theorists or stuff like that, where I just want to tell these people to shut up. I mean, there's always been a little bit of mystery around the JFK shooting with the Zapruder film and you know, and the grassy knoll and all this stuff, whether there was a second shooter. So I, I don't think it was uncommon. And I think 
you know, Oliver Stone's film JFK back in the day kind of was, a, you know, exemplary of that. Like, you know, that a lot of people had had questions. Um, and uh, I think, you know, when I went to, to Pitt, there was a, for, a forensic uh, or a medical examiner. He's very, very well known. I can't think of his name right now, but he even looked into it and he used to give a, an address in one of my classes. We I had a presidential rhetoric class and he would come every year and everybody looked forward to it. And and he was skeptical about everything that was being told, you know, <laughs> so uh, the JFK thing is probably a little bit different than some of the things we hear today. So, like, you know, is this like a wholesale gaslighting that we literally don't know how to how what we should believe and what we shouldn't believe? We're, we're just flailing now. And, you know, well, I, I, I think, said a few I, minutes I think ago, we should. I why think would they understand. do it on purpose? Because it's just one gigantic gaslighting thing. You know, I, I think we understand how to decide. You know, I think we understand think... how to decide. But that requires information you can trust. And that's the thing that we don't know anymore. So the the idea is there are a number of issues on which I am undecided because I can't trust the alleged information that is being given to us. Right. Not how to decide. There, so there's a difference. Now, I think the youth, the youth, they have no logic, you know, skills at all. Uh, that's been, you know, those parts of the brain have been completely removed by the by the school system. Um, but, and it uh, works both ways think, with, with those people not having those independent logic skills, doesn't it? Because not only will they then believe something that is a crazy conspiracy theory by any rational terms, but they'll also uh, gullibly believe anything that mainstream media tells them and anything that the authorities tell them at times as well. So it, it kind of works both ways. They'll be going at the same time, the moon landings were faked, but it's ridiculous to say that 2020 was stolen. And they haven't got the independent reasoning to look at, well, why, you know, isn't it a bit odd that all the normal predictors of results were broken by that election? Isn't it a bit odd that millions of, uh, you know, hidden voters popped into existence in the early hours of the morning? Uh, isn't it a bit odd that the rules were changed beforehand? You know, isn't it a bit odd that... We had, um, you know, these these uh, suspensions of the count. Um, all of those are kind of basic logic things that would cause you to question it, yeah. which they don't have because they don't have independent logic. By the way, Eric was founded. I'm sorry, a real quick question, and Daniel, you might know the answer to this too. You guys might too. What what was ever the result of the accusation that there was a broken pipe in the Atl in Georgia? And that was part of the whole, the whole thing where the the, the votes were suspended. They they stopped counting, and then they went back again. Because I say, uh, obviously, there's a lot of people on the right that still believe that to this day. I don't know what happened for sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if we know, but that you know, I mean that that's something where I could understand. Like people on our side, people think that the the the, uh, the election was stolen. That something happened there. Now, if you believe in, in chemtrails and you want to, <laughs> you know, hit your wagon to that, I don't think it does us, us any good. But anyway, 
I'm wondering if you guys know the facts. I don't, I don't know what happened with the pipe in, in Georgia. I don't know if, I don't know if it's ever been established. Yeah. That's an interesting question because that was the basis for stopping the count. Um, You would think that Trump and his team would have investigated that in the last three and a half years. Um, But more fundamentally, as far as this whole discussion goes, America was founded on upon, among other things, distrust of power, particularly government power, but any kind of power. And, you know, whether it's CNN, the mainstream media or the CDC or the NIH, I mean, skepticism to me is, is the right uh, is the right mindset for any of them. And, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, Ed was saying, you know, we don't, we don't have the critical thinking skills to figure out who to trust, who not to trust. I think that the, the, the proper framework is don't trust anybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, and Ed Powell of all people, you're, you're the person who more than anybody I know investigates numerous sources on every side of every issue. That's that's the kind of man that the framers had in mind for for what America was going to was supposed to be. And, you know, we weren't supposed to be able to rely on authorities. We weren't supposed to be able to rely on experts. We're supposed to figure things out for ourselves and we're supposed to be multidimensional. We're not supposed to be so specialized that, you know, uh, you know, that I'm only a lawyer and you're only a scientist and and Daniel is only a writer. I mean, we're also we're supposed to be. You know, you look at the founders, they weren't just, you know, they they were everything, you know, they could, they didn't just theorize, they did multiple things. And I think that's, that's the answer to the question. It's, we should stop relying on people, period. And we should be more, I mean, that's the independence that you guys are sort of getting at. Yeah, none of that's possible with our education system. Well, I mean, parents have to teach their kids. And if you have to keep your kids out of that system, then you keep them out of that system. Yeah, of course, the parents also went to that system. Well, I mean, somebody did break the cycle. There's a a kind of affluence issue as well, isn't there? I mean, as with many other things, it's easier to get out of that uh, trapped in public education scenario if you've got independent means well i mean framers were all very wealthy people john hancock was probably the most wealthy person in the entire colonies george washington was wealthy i mean there were a lot of you know they were all wealthy people i don't think being wealthy is is the issue one way or the other i mean it just makes it easier when society is has given over so many responsibilities to state-run organisations, especially in education, um, you know, being independently wealthy makes it easier to escape that, doesn't it? I mean, you can look at it as, I mean, the wealthy class is the one that's most invested in the tyranny and the socialism. So, I mean, yes, in theory, that sounds right. But, um, you know, the reality is we... We get the government we deserve. We get the we get the institutions we deserve. It's up to us. You know who is you know you said society did this and who is society? It's us. You know I mean I'm not saying that I'm responsible for what a million other people did, but yeah, if if society was just us, it'd be in a much healthier place. <laughs> if we must say so Indeed. ourselves, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, and we we probably have private run. 
schools instead of public schools. Should we talk about um, the border bill or should we talk about the Mayorkas impeachment? Let's talk about the border bill, guys. Um, my understanding is there's even open calls for McConnell to be thrown out. Mm. This thing, I think we brought it up last week when it was just cooking into the, you know, the public arena and it was still kind of hidden. This thing seems to have been one of the greatest, um, I don't know how do you say fashla in English, disasters <laughs> in the history of uh, drafted bills because even yeah. people behind it are saying don't vote for it anymore. And, well, they didn't uh, know what was in it. I mean, the Republicans didn't know what was in it. I guess either that case would be one of the. I guess one. Trend. I mean, they're they're obviously they're either stupid or evil, and and the and both way to solve this problem is to say they're both. Um, but I, you know, it's it's part of this whole thing. Uh, you know, the Washington generals, the Republicans are just losers. They're just losers. They want to lose. Well, it it it's it's interesting because I came across a tweet from Donald Trump Jr. today, and he was sharing. Um, basically an article uh, about the Republicans were now in the Senate, they were going to vote on the, the, the Ukraine bill. And the tweet was like, he basically says, let me pull it up. He goes, yup, it was a setup from the start. And he's sharing somebody else's tweet. They said, wait, was the border bill designed to fail? So it would be easier to fund Ukraine. So part of me is like, are they just a stupid party or are they really just, snookering us into getting what they really want uh you know maybe they're not so stupid i don't know but that was donald trump jr's tweet has donald trump come out and said anything about the border bill oh yeah he's the one who stopped it he criticized it well didn't nikki haley yeah. say that he's at fault for stopping it and apparently nikki haley oh, is very yeah he's the only one left who's still um for the bill if I I'm mean, how, how ridiculous. Yeah, I think she really blew that one pretty badly. Um, but I'm curious, will there really be a serious push to change Senate leadership? Or again, it's just all a bunch of talk, talk. Well, it's like everything else with the GOP. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> so, you know, in, in that sense, there, there is a lot in common between this and the Mayorkas impeachment story. In that, going back to the, uh, what's the name of that team again? The squad. Washington generals. Generals. Is that what they did in screwing up Mayorkas' impeachment? I mean, how in the world could they screw that up and they thought somebody wasn't showing up or something? I mean, what a bunch of fools. Yeah. I don't think it's foolish. I think it's just by design. I well, Nick, I mean, I think there's Nick, a certain... Nikki Haley, there, is, is Nikki Haley in still supporting the, the bill... Is, is sort of in a strange way being honest because that's the they the kind of establishment were happy with that bill which is why they agreed to it um but um they are they're no longer as able to get away with really really crappy agreements with the democrats that the republican base despises uh, and I think that's what the issue is there. They would have had well, remember there was there's sixty billion dollars there's sixty billion dollars in money laundering for the for Ukraine. There's another twenty billion dollars for Israel. There's another twenty billion dollars for 
um, the states to house these migrants that don't have any. And, uh, and these are all the things that they care about and uh, that the Republicans care about. It's like they want to give money to Ukraine. They want to give money to Israel. They, you know, and then the Democrats want the, uh, okay, we can allow essentially infinite numbers of people to come in legally, give them work cards and, uh, and driver's licenses, which means they get immediately registered to vote, whether they're citizens or not. And, um, you know, I mean, that's what they care about. They don't, you know. But how did and they Nikki go Haley badly? Cares if you about, wanted that bill, how did they, how did they screw it up? I don't think well, it is that. You know, it's, 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 they, they wanted just to read Ukraine it. Stuff. They they wanted Ukraine funding more. Uh, Mitch McConnell wanted Ukraine funding, and that's what they were looking to get out of the bill. They weren't really cared. They didn't really care about the border. You're you know, sure. like. Like like Pence and uh, you know like Haley, they don't care about the border. So you're basically agreeing a hundred percent with what Donald Trump Jr. said, right? I'm just saying if yeah, they pretty really wanted money for Ukraine, they didn't have to make such a ridiculously stupid bill. And we have to remember the Clillard pivot strategy as well. That's another thing that um, this you know this a uh, border is doing the. Cloward and Piven were these communists back in the 60s, and they advocated a strategy whereby people flood the um, social welfare programs to make them collapse. The, the intent of the collapse is to uh, was to usher in a sort of a communist revolution. We're not going to have a communist revolution. <laughs> they already control things. But um, I think there is a point in this where they want to um, further control the states by um, causing this problem and then offering money to ameliorate it. Nothing will solve it other than closing the border, but to ameliorate it, to to so destroy the medical system that we have to go to single payer. Um, I saw an interesting uh, video from uh, Bristol, UK today on one of the channels where the line for an NHS dentist was all the way around the block that in the morning when the dentist opened. And there were similar lines in this video um, for an NHS, uh, you know, um, doctor, you know, family, family doctor. And that, that's what they want. That will collapse the system. That's the intent. Um, and basically to destroy the states, to empower the federal government, crisis is a, uh, hard thing to waste and um, I don't know what they think they're going to get out of it but power <laughs> that's what they're going to get out of it if you're right that's what it's about well they demoralize people who care don't they indeed so um We'll only talk about one story from Israel, which ticks me off as a dual citizen, etc. I admit my biases here. Apparently, not only does Blinken want to sit in the war cabinet in Israel, which I find preposterous, but he was trying to pull off a tete-a-tete, or what they call in Israel, with four eyes, a one-on-one meeting with the Israeli army chief of staff behind everybody's backs. Um, again, is that unprecedented and the amount, and I was listening to the Israeli radio talking about it. They're like, yeah, well, we're so dependent on the United States. We just got to let them do this. But the amount of 
prying into somebody else's affairs overseas. I'm sure you all heard that Biden sanctioned four Israeli, quote, settlers. And we were like literally micromanaging Israeli banks now from America. Would they do that to another country? Uh, well, they they sanction foreigners all the time. But uh, I mean, the, the they, idea, they, that's the whole point of the... the and they meet with their defense ministers behind the backs of the government. I don't know. I, think, I don't know how the Israeli government works. I, I don't think it does work. Um, so it's hard no, to... Offici officially, there is a civilian leadership of the of the military, officially. Yeah. So officially, there's certain things you should know not to do if there's a sovereign country. Now, whether Israel's a sovereign country is always debatable. Um, and that is part of the debate. But I think, you know, the United States overreach and overbearing, we're in charge of everything and they can get away with it in Israel. Maybe they can't get away with it in other countries, but it's to say the least extremely distasteful. The thing that just, you know, I've mentioned this on the show previously, but the thing that just blows me away about this is that that kind of thing happens. You, it's not just limited to us trying to micromanage Israel. I mean, it's, it's all these bills that we're talking about, like the border bill, you know, it, it it only takes one person to stand up and say, they're blackmailing me. This is what's going, this is what's really going on behind the scenes to blow the oh, whole. Oh, somebody did off. that. Who did? Well, one of them, one of them did that recently, uh, said that they're all being blackmailed. Right. But they didn't, they didn't call out what it was. I mean, it just takes one whistle. Sexual blackmail. They huh? said it was sexual blackmail. They, uh, I forget this person. I forget one of the congressmen came out and said, oh, these congressmen are all being sexually blackmailed because of uh, sex related stuff. Well, um, I mean, it just takes one of them to either bite the bullet and say, I'm going to get divorced or bite the bullet and talk to your wife and say, this is what's going on. If you want to divorce me, that's fine. But our country is worth me coming forward. And if you want to divorce me over it, divorce me. But I am not going to let my country go down the drain just to satisfy these assholes that are that are going to that are blackmailing me. I mean, I just can't believe it's been what, I don't know, 50, 100 years and not a single person has done that. I, I just it, it blows me away. I mean, it just blows me away. Well, and how I, would it help if one person did it? If, if everybody's okay. being blackmailed, why does one person, person, they'll say he's a nut. Right. So why can't one person gather up 10 people? I mean, it, I don't understand how nobody is patriotic enough, how there aren't enough patriots willing to stand up and say, you know what, if I lose my marriage, if I lose my job, that's fine. I'm not going to lose my country. And, and I just don't understand it. I mean, it's, it, I don't understand it in the sense of something being completely alien to me you know if it were me i think that's, I I think that's the problem there isn't it it's, it's because it's alien to you because you're a decent person and they're not most of them are most of them haven't got to that position to serve their country they've got to that position to serve themselves is and it, you know they might bracket it in serving their country is it even, is it even possible to be elected to congress without having sold out most of your principles just to get that far yeah, exactly. You, you've I mean, got so many stages of compromise. But is it only the U.S. government? I mean, you were talking about the Israeli military. Is is every part of the Israeli 
military command compromised too. I mean, every important person in the world is compromised. It just Israeli military. You know, it's not that they're you, compromised. It's talk, that they suck up to the uh, Western press and to the Western governments that want them on the left. That's not. That's we not were talking earlier about conspiracy theories, and this just seems like such a gigantic conspiracy. I don't understand how somebody hasn't blown the lid off of it. I, I just don't. I mean, but it's, it's not it's not as conspiracy in the sense that, you know, we think that all of these people have been organized and kind of gather in a little room and wear funny clothes. You know, it, it's it's just self-interest. And most of these people were primarily driven by self-interest. Wasn't there a guy? And, and so you don't need a vast conspiracy. You don't need a vast conspiracy to make an asshole behave like an asshole. They, they'll do it anyway. But, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I, I try and be as morally straight and as good as I can be. I have made mistakes in my life. And there are things that I've done that I would rather wouldn't come out to the light of day. But I don't think there's anything I've ever done that if, if the choice was exposing it or protecting my country, I mean, I would just protect my country. I don't understand how, I mean, it's so obvious that this country is being destroyed because nobody is willing to stand up and 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 rebel against this and you know i mean like i said i mean i you know i'm not a wealthy man so i can't really say oh i'd lose all my money but you know whether it's getting you know what whatever it is i mean I, you know i you know i wouldn't want somebody to get killed i mean if they were blackmailing with death but you know what, even then i mean if they're threatening to kill my son or kill my wife or whatever I mean, if they're willing to go that far, why would why would I think being silent is going to save them in the long run? I mean, you know, Solzhenitsyn, uh, Solzhenitsyn and, and Sakharov both said, you know, all the Soviet dissidents said the best way to be safe was to open your mouth and keep talking. Right. I mean, I don't understand why. Has America I, produced a Solzhenitsyn? Huh? America doesn't produce that caliber person, does it? I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, Snowden was that way, but I mean, what happened to him? Yeah, I, I get it. I know. I, where's I just... Julian Assange living? I don't even want to ask where Seth Rich is living. Yeah, I just don't. I, you know, it's just such a, a, a foreign alien concept to me. That people to... have no honor? I, I'm not sure if it's honor, because I mean, like I said, I'm I'm envisioning, you know, getting caught doing something that I'm really embarrassed about. And, I, you know, I guess on a small level, I would try and conceal it. But, I mean, if somebody really threatened me, I, I mean, I would just say, you know what? Have at it. You go tell whoever you want, but I'm not going to sell my country out. I just... Well, I that's, think it's, uh, it's that's the Carrie Lake type, isn't it? That's what's on the Carrie Lake type, the, you know... Um, with with the uh, attempted bribe, if if that's true, uh, she responded exactly as you're saying you would responded, right? And nobody right. cares, right? She's not getting backing from anybody, right? What what is that gaining her to have exposed that? Um, I, I don't think the right it gains thing. her I mean, anything. What? I don't think it gained her anything. In fact, I think it made it more likely that she's going to lose this election. Right. So if, but, if we're looking um, for somebody to speak up, why would you speak up if you're not going to gain anything anyway? 
Well, Kerry Lake is on the outside right now. I mean, some of these guys are on the inside that have been there for 20, 30, 40 years, and they know where all the bodies are, and they know who all the blackmailers are. I mean, not one of them is willing to come forward. It's just so disheartening to me that there's, yeah. that there's just no one willing to organize a counter-revolution because it's a revolution that's happening. Yeah, but apparently it is that scary. You know, the powers that be have that much power. They I do think that, that um, okay. you know, they, they certainly are, uh, they certainly have shown that they're willing to murder people over this um, and uh, i think you know i think it's reasonable to uh fear death to be honest or, or almost worse or being humiliated or having your kids humiliated or whatnot yeah you know it's interesting there was a small israeli story i don't know if it made the presses here too much so does the name ben gvir mean anything to you what name ben gvir Ed Powell, I'm surprised you don't know the name. So Ben Gvir is the supposedly most radical right-wing member of Knesset. He's the Minister of Interior Security, I believe. He probably was a uh, disciple at one point of Mayor Kahana. He's very much hated by the left and by the press. And he's slightly moderated now that he's in the government. But anyway, he has like an 18-year-old son who apparently tweeted or published something a few days ago with this ridiculous, out, totally talk about ridiculous conspiracy theories and tinfoil hats, he hinted that our president may have dementia. <laughs> ben Gvir, Ben Gvir, who is the strongest, furthest right wing member of Knesset and minister in the cabinet, had to immediately back down and grovel in front of the entire world. Yeah, so, who makes him do that, right? Exactly. That's exactly well, right. I assume who that Benjamin Netanyahu said, if you want a future in anything, if you want to have any influence, blah, 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 blah. And the press came down on him. It, to me, it's shocking. It's his son. It's not him. He didn't say a word. But instead of saying, look, that's my son. And do you not know the president has dementia? No, he had to grovel, grovel, grovel. Biden's the best friend we ever had, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's a very good example of nobody even the most courageous people, everybody knows that if you're within that system, you have to back down. And if it's well, not- We have I a mean, very power, dysfunctional it, relationship with I'm Israel. sorry? I mean, everything, we have a very, dis, the United States and Israel have a very dysfunctional relationship. But I'm saying it's right? the same I mean, thing that happens in America. If even a member of yeah. your family speaks out against what the establishment wants you to believe, you're going to be crushed. It doesn't matter right. who you are. So- I mean, look at look at the uh, the birther issue, which you know, I, I constantly bring up because I've never been convinced. The point is, if you have an opinion that's not within the mainstream, they will destroy you. Yeah. Mercilessly. And I guess, you know, Donald Trump is one of the poster children for that, of trying to destroy people. I mean, whether we like him or not, what's it cost him so far? 50 million or something in legal bills? Oh my God! Way more than that, and it's but not just the legal bills. It's uh, it's the um, you know they're taking away his whole companies. And I um and, and, I don't know. I think I forgot to share this story, but you must have seen it. It's not even the first story. There was one out there months ago that any lawyer who dares 
to represent anybody on our side of the aisle is finished and will never be hired again. So they, they yeah. play for keeps. Yeah, they constantly fight. And one of the reasons they do is because they, um, the government funds them, basically. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting, you know, it's like, why do we allow the government to fund them? That's the, the real question, right? Why do we allow um, you know, when we're in power, why don't we cut the funding off of all these organizations that all these, um, you know, what's it called organizations? The NGOs. Uh, the these NGOs that take our money and do nothing but destroy the country. You know, I, and that's an excellent Excellent question. I, I don't know why we don't. Um, maybe because they're, you know, it's again uh, blackmail. Or I also can't think. I can't think of anyone when they're in power on the right doing the the kind of uh, um, things for their side that the other side do when they're in power. I can't I can't think of a kind of a huge purge of people who don't follow the right wing line in in recent decades in the UK, in the US, in Canada, anywhere like if, if, no, if a, when the rights in power right party wins power. When the rights in power in, in Argentina is doing that, isn't he? Mil Mil Yu? Millet, yeah. He he has given up on uh, getting rid of the central bank and going to the dollar. Not that the dollar is great, but it's way better than the, um, you know, Argentine peso or whatever it is they use. But like he's had to give up on that. Why? Why? Who said what to whom? Exactly. There's no. And he also absolutely. He also went to the WEF, you know, and he gave a very mild. Very, okay, it was a speech condemning socialism and statism and praising capitalism. But it's all within bounds that, that everybody who's at the WF can say, yeah, okay, that's fine. You've not said anything dangerous. And this was a guy who was calling them shitheads before, before that. Right. So you see him as backing down, Ed? He backed down on the... Um... On the central bank, and of course, the central banks are the fountainhead of the corruption. I mean, we we think of all the corruption in the world, but they all, you know, they all stem from the ability to control money. That's true, but he has fired a bunch of government workers, though. He has, and I, I salute him for it. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a you 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 have a bit of kind of quid pro quo stuff starts creeping in and people thinking, well, they're gonna destroy me altogether or get rid of me uh if I try and do all of that at once. So I'll do this little bit here and I'll concede ground there. And 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 people try to balance it and negotiate their way through it. And they, you know, and that's why even if they're they're quite strongly uh, right wing or quite strongly opposed to things before they get in even if they aren't corrupted they can't do it all at once and they know that they would be brought down straight away if they tried yeah 
Well, like MTG. Yeah, I, I think she has good um, instincts. I, I just don't think she's very bright. In fact, um, now that I have really sat down and, and watched 70 odd um, episodes of Tucker Carlson, I, I think that he is a relatively honest guy, but I do not consider him particularly bright, to be honest. I, I He's in Russia now. He's going to inter interview Putin. I don't know when that uh, interview is going to drop, but it'll be interesting to see like what questions he asks Putin. Um, Cause I guarantee you, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be mad at what he. Uh, I mean, what do you think? Do you think does. anybody's going to quote confront Putin? <laughs> You're getting an interview with him. Really? This whole thing well, is ridiculous. I, I, oh, well, I mean, I'm not confront him, but there are respectful, but difficult questions one can ask. Uh, Putin, you think he's right? going to get I mean, any that, questions they, that he doesn't know about ahead of time? Listen, Ed, last time I got an interview or tried to get one with a head of a major country, they told me what I get to ask and not. Mm -hmm. This is not a free for all. Right. So, I mean, uh, okay. I mean, right. <laughs> really, Putin said, oh, I'll talk to you and I'll answer every question you have. It's no different than, you know, defense attorneys. You don't put somebody on a stand unless you know what they're going to say. This mm -hmm. is all plotted out beforehand. And I don't know that it's going to help anybody because it'll just everybody will just say, yes, yeah, he is a Russian stooge. So I don't know what what possible right. good comes out of this in any direction. Well, that is what it's playing into. Uh, and I've, I've seen that on X. Right. And, and they're doing media. that before words come out. So, oh, absolutely. So it, it, I, yeah, it doesn't I don't know. Do any good. It doesn't do any good. I don't know. I don't see any benefit from it. All right. And I want to change the subject and pick your legal brain. If you can uh, briefly tell us what happened with that lady who was convicted of manslaughter for her son's crime. If you could just tell everybody what happened in 60 seconds, and then we can each contribute our learned views. That wasn't the legal story that I thought you were going to ask me about, but okay. I'll, you get the other one too for free. It's a twofer. Uh, basically, some mom here in Michigan... Uh, Actually, I don't know if it was the mom or the mom and dad together. They they bought a gun for their kid and they gave it to the kid and the kid was in school. And I I don't know all the details, but the kid yeah. wound up on a going on a shooting range rampage and killing, I think, three people. And the kid it, the kid was tried as an adult and convicted and sentenced to life in prison without parole. But then they went and they charged both each parent separately. Uh, or they, I don't know if they charge them separately or together, but they're being tried separately. And the mom's trial just concluded and she was convicted of involuntary manslaughter for basically putting the gun in the kid's hand and letting the kid shoot the shoot the victims. And what's your understanding of the definition of involuntary manslaughter in Michigan? Do you have one? I haven't looked up the penal code here, but in general, involuntary manslaughter requires that you commit an act that leads unintentionally to the killing of another human being but it needs a lot of negligence i believe it's it's not just you left it well there's I, I i looked up i mean there's a lot of discussion on this with the alec baldwin case and uh it requires recklessness which is a higher standard than um negligence than negligence you know negligence is a tort recklessness becomes a crime uh negligence is you should have known Mm -hmm. recklessness is you did know and you did it anyway um 
It varies so, from state to state, though, Ed. Some states gross negligence yeah, I agree. apply. I mean, you'd have to look. No, no, at I, obviously, you're the lawyer. Um, and who knows what it is in, in Michigan. But it does seem like this was potentially a tort by the parent, the parents, rather than a um, rather than a crime. But um, is this part of just going after guns? Well, of course. Yeah, of course. Now, she they bought a they bought a nine millimeter handgun for their 17 year old. That's stupid. Um, And it's legal. um, But it's stupid. And uh, the thing is um, that what's. Uh, from the the account I read, which was the one that that Stephen put forward, um, they nobody else was spotting this kid was dangerous either, you know. And obviously, a family you might expect to be to be in a better position to know than anyone else. Mm-hmm. But none of the school counsellors, none of the the school head teacher, uh, no one else was saying that this kid was a uh, going to be a school shooter, uh, you know, and this kid was going to be a danger to others. And the family um, went to a gun range as a hobby, as many families in America do. Um, you know, uh, so there's there's a bit more context to it than them recklessly supplying a, a weapon to uh, a child. You now, know, did, did they actually just... That, but it's not a child because he was tried as an adult. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the, that's the thing that's contradictory about it, isn't it? Because they're, they're you know, as it said in this account, they're, they're simultaneously saying that he was um, young enough that the parents are responsible for what he did uh, and, you know, should have uh, not supplied him with a gun. But he's old enough to be tried as an adult himself. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're kind of contradicting what status he holds in the process. Right. Right. To me, if if the kid has capacity to be held responsible for his own acts, then then I think that's a that's that supersedes any liability for the parents. You know, I'm I'm thinking in my head like if, if the parent if instead of buying a gun and putting it into the kid's hand, suppose the kid were drunk and the, they put the kid behind a wheel and put the key in the in the ignition and told him to drive. I think in that situation. I would be I'd be a little more comfortable with liability for the parents, right. but only because they created a danger in a person that didn't have capacity to make a choice. When when they put the gun into the hands of a sane kid uh, or you know a sane adult who was tried as an adult, I mean that they're no more responsible for for that killing than the gun store owner is who sold the gun. And I mean, to me, you know, when when I mean, there's an intervening cause, there's not only no crime, there's no tort either. I, I mean, mean it's, it's perfectly legal to sell a gun to somebody and it's perfectly legal to gift a gun to somebody. I, I mean, to I me, mean, it, let's, I mean, they it, have to have created the, the danger that that, the you know, if the kid were unstable, you know, if they knew that the kid was was talking about committing murder then it might change. But my understanding is I don't think that they had any reason to think he was going to kill people. Yeah. I mean, did, yeah they violate, I, I, did they violate any other law by giving the child a gun, the 17-year-old the gun? 
I heard that there weren't any laws violated. I'm sorry? I heard that there weren't any laws violated. And you're bringing up a point that I think is the most concerning to me. If they can find the parents guilty, how far is it to find the gun store guilty now? I, I don't think it's far at all. I think that's what's very scary. You know what it also reflects? You know, the the, the kind of um, the thing that's been put across for a very long time now through critical race theory is ancestral guilt. That, that um, you know, there's guilt passes through generations. And that, you know, white people now are guilty for things white people did ages ago. And it's a form of ancestral guilt creeping into your legal system. If you say, right, you're you're the parent, you're, you know, you're responsible for that person then going on a gun rampage. It's ancestral yeah. guilt. Well, it's interesting, too, because when we were, we were talking in the chat, um, dear leader Alu was talking about, I think his, it might have been in, in his book, where he's talking about the whole concept of when you're an accomplice and somebody does a bank robbery and one guy goes in and he, you know, it wasn't the plan, but he gunned down a couple of people, runs back out, we get away, and now the other person is, you know, somewhat guilty for that. Like, I, that wasn't my plan. But, I'm just trying to get but, the money. I mean, it's... Why am I responsible for the other, what the other these, person did? There's no evidence that these parents knew that he was going to shoot people. You know, right, there's right. none See, of that at all. Exactly. That, that would be a genuine accomplice if they knew that he was going to shoot people and then supplied him with a gun. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to misstate all those arguments. Steve can verify. You enter into a conspiracy. You you've you've entered into a criminal organization. You are responsible for the acts of that criminal organization in the same way that you know you know you can't just hide behind a corporate shield if you're working for a corporation. I mean, when you when you join a group. And the group's purpose is to commit a crime. You're responsible for all acts and furtherance of that crime. I, I don't have any problem with and, that. And, and that's a legal idea. But last I looked, it didn't come down from Sinai. And how does that jive with what you just said? That as long as the child himself or the 18-year-old, 17-year-old himself was cogent and an adult, by definition, the other party can't be responsible. Those well, because of the other thing that you said earlier, which was that the mother didn't break any laws. If you're involved in a criminal organization, criminal enterprise, I think it's it's reasonable for you to be responsible Why? For, for things. Why is anybody responsible for anything they didn't do, didn't want to do, didn't plan to do, didn't want to have happen? Why? Because they if you if you're in a conspiracy, you've what does joined that mean? Ed, Ed, that's a word. What does that mean? It means joining a group with intent to commit a criminal who make who made that law how does that law make sense yeah, but a family's not a criminal conspiracy is it and i'm not saying not that a, the family is i'm talking about the example mike yeah right i'm and i'm asking over and over again who made that rule why does that rule make sense i decide i'm going to drive you to I'll tell you why because five dollars because if if you want to make bank bank robbery a crime it doesn't matter whether somebody is the one pointing the gun at the bank teller or driving the getaway car. Why doesn't it matter? Because they're all part of the same. That's Ed, that's just a concept. What does that? What does that mean? It's not a concept. It, you can't separate things into into disparate parts 
that are that are that are not it's that not are really the, one it thing. is disparate parts it's two different individuals with two different brains two different agencies and if i decide to drive you around the corner to pickpocket somebody and when you pickpocket that somebody they trip and they die and now i'm charged with murder that's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous if we decide to rob a bank and you decide you're going to go off and kill everybody in that bank I had nothing to do with it. I don't care what the that's, law. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Bull <laughs> you didn't have nothing to do with it. How can you say that with a straight face? How you can you say what you're saying with a straight face? You may not I have, have pulled the trigger. You may not have pushed the guy down. But of course you had something to no, do with it. No, I had nothing to do with it. I had nothing to do nothing. with it. Nothing. Nothing. You, you were just in China walking down the street singing a song. That's ridiculous. Why is it ridiculous? Why am I responsible for what you're saying? nothing is, is ridiculous. What? It, you're, it, saying that he had nothing to do with it is what's ridiculous. He may not have pulled the trigger. He may not have been the one that shoved the person to the ground, but he had something to do with it. Okay. You can we, argue listen, about the level of guilt. No, no, no I'm not going to argue about the level of guilt. I watch enough TV. We decide we're going to rob a bank. We decide yep. under penalty if we're going to kill each other, no one's going to get hurt. Somebody goes nuts and hurts somebody. I had nothing to do with it. I don't care what words anybody uses. What is the purpose of criminal law? I don't know. What, is the, what does that mean? What is the purpose of criminal law? I'm asking law? you a question. What's the purpose of criminal law? It's to protect the, the innocent citizens from criminal actors. Okay? If criminal actors come up with a plan like that and one of them goes too far, well, you shouldn't have joined a criminal organization in the first place. And society has a has a, a right and and, and uh, first of all, okay, I, I'm too libertarian to believe society has a right to execute somebody for what they didn't do. Not going to buy that one. Sorry. They did. They they're part of the organization. What that does did that it. mean? They're part of. I don't even know what that means. They're part of the organization. So what? What does you, that mean? You're, you're doing something jointly. You're not doing. You each have your own brain. You're not doing something jointly. I I, I don't. Guys, it, chip you, in here if you agree. Part of the conspiracy uh, um, is you have to have an enterprise. There has to be a common goal. The if common goal is that nobody should get hurt. That was the common goal. Nobody's going to get hurt. In this. No, the common goal was to rob the bank. The common Yes, and nobody's going to get hurt. That is the common goal. How can you be a conspiracy to do something that you said you don't want to have happen? The common, but the conspiracy is to rob the bank. Who cares? There's no conspiracy to not hurt somebody, but there is a conspiracy to rob a bank. Right, and you should be held responsible for robbing the bank, 100%. But you cannot be held responsible for something you didn't want to have happen. That is, It's absolutely ridiculous. But under felony murder, which is what I don't care about, what felony murder. Who under felony that? murder, uh, okay. Who the invented person, Even the person that? who's robbing the bank. If the guy has a heart attack because he sees the gun... That person who pointed the gun at him is is responsible for that death, even if he didn't pull the trigger. And, and that's I'm asking, how does that happen? Huh? How does, I'm asking, how does that make sense? Because if you didn't pull the gun on him and scare the crap out of him, he'd still be alive. Oh, my God. You want to talk about George Floyd now for a couple of hours? If the cop didn't have his neck on him yet, everybody wants to say he would have died anyway. If any of you that guy would have died of a heart attack anyway, okay? How could you he say he would have died post of a heart attack? When when he was when he had a gun pointing in his face in the middle of a bank robbery. First of all, you can believe that that causes a heart attack. What? Have any of you guys heard of Derek Bentley? No, does he make cards? One of, <laughs> one of Derek Bentley. One <laughs> of the cases that ended the death penalty in the UK uh, was used as a strong argument to end the death penalty in the UK. Was a case where two men. 
um, committed a robbery and then were caught at the scene by a policeman and one of them shot the policeman dead. Um, and that was a hanging offence. So they were engaged in exactly the criminal conspiracy we're talking about, um, you know, a robbery. Um, just before the shooting, now, the guy who had the gun was uh, um, uh, mentally challenged. He was, you know, he had issues and he, he had a low IQ. Um, the guy who uh, was tried for murder as well, um, full responsibility, instructed him, uh, let him have it, Chris, is the was what the case was revolved around. And the defence said he was saying, give him the gun. And the prosecution said he was saying, shoot and kill him. Um, and so that that case, because it was debatable and because, uh, you know, it all depended on your interpretation of the of what was said, the, the, the extent of the guilt of the of the accomplice who instructed his uh, mentally challenged fellow with the gun, um, that that was considered so uh, um, controversial a decision to hang this man that it was one of the things that led to people in the UK going against the death penalty. So, but according but it's a to the example theory, of what you're discussing, according to the conspiracy way of looking at it, he was involved. But at least he's in the same room, right? Yeah, uh, the, they were. I think they were on a rooftop or something, and uh, um, you know they just robbed a place. Yeah, you guys are actually reminding me. I like to watch some of these true crime shows, and there was one story about two underage kids. They drove up to a, a gas station. Guy was filling his tank, and one of them shot the guy just dead for pretty much no reason. Now, one of the minors ended up not getting convicted and thrown in jail. The other one was presumed, I guess, to have pulled the trigger, and he ended up convicted and was um, on death row. So I guess you just never know in these situations exactly what's going to happen and how they're going to be held responsible. Um, but it, it, it's an interesting debate. And it actually, it reminds me a little bit, too, because, Ed, you were uh, talking a little bit before about Example, like if somebody deliberate, deliberately put somebody behind the wheel, right, and they were drunk, you, yeah. you'd be liable for that. One law I, I've I don't know of, what the law says, but I would be sympathetic to liability in that right. situation. I mean, if you know somebody's drunk and you shove them in the car, say, here's, here's your keys and, and go, right, that's one thing. Now, one law I've never kind of understood here in the States is that if I have a party at my house and somebody comes over, it's a New Year's Eve party, and they get wasted and I said, hey, you know, you're welcome to stay. You could stay. And they start to get bombed. And I say, you shouldn't drive. You shouldn't drive. Give me your keys. And they stubbornly say, I'm leaving. And they go out and they kill somebody. I'm responsible. The homeowner. Because you served them out. I'm liable. Because, OK, so you're the adult. You come out. You have drinks. You're, you're not responsible enough to say, I'm going to sleep over. I'm going to sleep it off. I'm going to, you know. I'm going to get behind the wheel. I try to stop you. And, you know, I can't do it. I'm unsuccessful. And you go kill somebody. Now it's my fault. I, I don't get that. 
I don't get I that. Think, I, I think that I don't think that's a mandatory law, but I think that's a reasonable law that reasonable people could implement as a means why? of protecting the community from drunk driving. Yeah, but you, why aren't you responsible for your own behavior? Your behavior was uh, to liquor somebody up. I liquored some. I forced it down their throat. I held their you nose. You forced it down I, their throat, but you knew that the person drove to get there. Why are you? Yeah, but I, I said, I said you can come. You sleep. You, you're. I want you can come if you sleep over, but you don't listen to me. Right. So you you're come, and, you come anyway. You get bombed. You, right. You're, you're saying that you knew of the risk, and you said, you know what? I'm not going to be a part of the risk. It's all on you. And I think it's proper. It's not necessary, but I think it's proper for a local jurisdiction to say, you know what? We're going to impose liability on that choice. On the homeowner. On the homeowner. Yes. I, I, I just, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't get that. I, I don't know. I don't understand how you're not responsible. You're of age. You can go out. You, you go to a bar and they don't stop you from, from getting in. Absolutely. They do. It's called the Dram Shop Act. Okay. But how many people? How many people leave a bar drunk? It happens all the time. They would, they would, how? I, I believe all 50 states have a Dram Shop Act. It's much more, I don't know that all 50 states impose liability on the homeowner, but I'm pretty sure that all 50 states impose liability on the tavern owner. Why would anybody have, ever want to open a bar or, or, or any place that's. Yeah, well, why wouldn't they be, like, if, if they're liable? merely by serving alcohol for what that person then goes and does. Um, well, I don't think they're that, like, I think I it's mean, more than that. They have they to be, know that the person look, if, I was a, if I was a bar owner and there was this law that made me liable for, I'd be checking their pockets as they left. You know, have you got your keys on you? Why right. don't bars do that? When you walk in. Right, we're not going to serve you, and you have to, you hand over your oh, keys. You put them in a lockbox, and you get them back. My understanding of the way the we dram give you shop a breathalyzer acts. before you leave in order to get your keys back. No, my understanding of the way the dram shop acts work is that the the tavern owner has to know that the person has not just had a drink, but is loaded and drunk. How do they know? Because yeah, they I do wonder. That's how they know. Well, I'm sorry. How do they prove that they know? Yeah, I mean, you have to take a breathalyzer, right? I mean, you have to have something. Where's the evidence? If you're the, the, all they have to do is say, how many drinks did you serve him? 10. How long was he in the bar? A half hour. Okay. He knew. Wow. I don't know. I have trouble with this one. To some extent. I do think that the United States has this issue in general that when someone does something horrible, they look for other people to blame. And whether it's uh, it's society or it's systemic racism or it's the bar owner or it's the parents, they just can't get their minds around the fact that some people do evil things. And they... Why isn't it evil to serve liquor to somebody who's already drunk and you know is, is driving? Why isn't that evil? I I have been okay. Never mind. I mean, it obviously if you know that they're driving and you know that they're drunk, um, that that's one thing. But nobody knew, they didn't I mean, know what but, what their people, names are. I mean, it's but, but people also but, get very belligerent 
all right, some people become very belligerent, violent drunks. And if you're the bar owner and there's some guy and he's six foot six and 280 pounds and he says, screw you, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing what you tell me and I, I'm going to hop in the car. You know, what, what are you supposed to do about that? How about you just call the local police, if nothing else? We don't want to get involved these days. <laughs> You're asking what can the what can the tavern owner do? I'm okay. Like, Fair enough. I think it's reasonable for the commute for a community to say drunk driving is a menace, it's a threat. We're gonna take steps to, to prevent it, whether it's making your town dry which some people would say is a violation of your right to purchase alcohol or by imposing liability on the person serving a drunk person who goes out and kills people. I mean, neither one is a mandatory law in order to have a free society. The question to me is, are those laws reasonable if a particular locality wants to uh, implement them? And my answer is unequivocally yes. Uh. There, I guess there's I'm a difference totally between like you can have a law that says you can't serve drunk people who have driven, you know, that that does seem perfectly reasonable. You know, again, we've talked about uh, localities before. I'm not going to rehash that. I think that's perfectly reasonable. But what I don't feel is reasonable is charging that person with murder if the drunk person goes out. And that's what we're really talking about. We're not talking about a law saying you shouldn't give a handgun to your 17 year old, um, which, you know, might be a misdemeanor, might be a felony, but it isn't murder. Um, and the same thing with, uh, you know, you can't serve a drunk well, the person more out. Mom wasn't convicted of murder. She was convicted of involuntary manslaughter. I realize that that's still going to be a significant jail sentence, but it's also significantly less than murder. I mean, I'm guessing involuntary manslaughter is probably yeah. five to 10 years. Murder is life. But is it justice? And the clear answer is no. I think in that case, no. I, I was shocked by that one. And I don't think that's a reasonable reallocation of liability. But I mean, it's also federalism. So I, I'm a little uh, I'm a little sympathetic towards a federalist argument. Well, I, I think the bigger well, picture, I, I, too, sorry, is it is it is about the guns, but it's also, again, again I think it's about us. <laughs> it, it's about our side being targeted and being held to a different standard, because I don't see anybody running around saying, uh, you know, the BLM people were in some conspiracy and they're, you know, because one cop was dead that they're all responsible for it now. Shouldn't they all be around? I'd, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it applied when somebody gives somebody gives a critical race theory lecture and tells people in the critical race theory lecture that all white people are evil and then one of those people then goes and kills some white person um because they you know they've taken on board the lesson that white people are evil um i'd like to see them held liable mm -hmm. well there well, we, we go got supreme court law on that it you know you'd have to you know, the incitement would have to be to an imminent threat. I mean, giving a, a an incendiary lecture, but having no white person around and the person listening to the lecture goes and runs down the street and finds a white person. 
I think that's Brandenburg versus Ohio. I don't think that that's I don't think that's going to be uh, actionable. Okay, well, you know, we are talking sort of well beyond um, <laughs> what we should on this topic, but you know, we are talking about what the law should be, not necessarily what the law is, right? So, um, it, I'm you know, from a law legal interpretation standpoint, I'm a read the law kind of guy rather than um, listen to the damn Supreme Court, which is, you know, they wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be a minor league baseball player given their batting average and getting things right. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're batting maybe 50, you know, out of a thousand. So um, I do think it is, I, I, I do agree that, there is liability for some of these, uh, you know, second party actions. But I think what the fundamental problem is, is that the country is, and this is in, you know, the litigation on, you know, oh, somebody, you know, my grandparents got cancer, so it must be somebody else's fault, so I can sue them. So there's that whole litigation fault. It's like sometimes things, bad things happen to good people, and sometimes bad things happen because of bad people. And it just, there isn't any, you know, there, there isn't anything that you can do that's going to stop that. So I, I do think it's gone quite a bit too far and this is just another evidence for it. Um, and I think, you know, the step towards the gun, the gun store, if he were a 21 year old and bought a, a, a pistol and then went out and started shooting his you know college classmates um you know obviously the 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 same thing would go to the gun store owner or the salesman or whoever sold him the pistol and i, I think it's 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 just yet another denial of individual responsibility um that individual response i mean look at the way we treat minorities in this country the the black murder rate is off the charts the white murder rate is you know equivalent to belgium and and we don't hold the individuals responsible. Guys beat up cops in Times Square. Ah, well, well, must be systemic racism. Ah, they're migrants. Must be white supremacy. We'll let them go. You know, we don't hold the individuals to account. Um, but if some good Samaritan came in and and shot the migrants as they were beating up the cops, his ass would be in Rikers Island faster than uh, Bill Clinton accepting uh, advances from an intern. Um, and we all know that's true. So this is just another example. Okay. Since we're running late, let's wrap up with all the stories we didn't get to talk about. Daniel, uh -huh. we can start with you since you're the one who's the most tired. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, the, the only thing um, that I, I didn't mention that I was uh, thinking about was um, that I've been looking into some of these indexes that where they they use kind of diagnostic tools, and uh, and one of them that's just been released. Um, what they do is they take polling from is something called the uh, Edelman um trust index and i don't know if any of you have heard of this but it's a it's an organization that takes 
polling from 27 key nations. And uh, it, it asks in these nations, who do people trust? Do they trust NGOs? Do they trust businesses? Do they trust the government? And do they trust the media? And uh, unsurprisingly, the results of the latest poll uh, is that in all the Western nations, there's severe di distrust. And, you know, the, the kind of strongest levels of distrust are in all of our Western nations at the moment. Um, you know, what a, what a shock and what a surprise there. But the sinister thing about it is that they were recommending what to do in response to this. And because it's a globalist organisation uh, staffed with, you know, globalist politicians, their solution to this distrust is not for government to stop doing the things that make people distrust it, not for media to stop doing the things that make people distrust it, but for business, which gets the slightly more positive responses, to be more active in enforcing the things that were previously being enforced by government and by um, uh, the media. So the, the, their recommendation is that businesses should be mo more proactively, and this is one of the key things, um, dealing and tackling with disinformation. So they should be going after people who are saying the things that cause dis the distrust. You know, not, not that it's their actions that cause the distrust, that, but the business should go after those people talking about it. So uh, that's a nice little kind of sinister thing to, to mention. Okay, Mike? I, I didn't really have anything big. One story I was going to touch on a little bit last week. I don't know if you guys saw this, but apparently they're going to be uh, coming up with three remakes of several Hollywood classics. Uh, Wizard of Oz was one. I think um, A Christmas Carol was another. It's a Wonderful Life. And a, It's a Wonderful Life. And so they want to wokeify all three of them. And it just, I mean, I, yeah, you don't even know what to say at this point. It's bad enough that I think it's illustrative of the decay of our culture when we're not getting great music, great art, great films. And all this, all this stuff is part part of that. But they're not only we're not only getting that, but we're going to destroy, right? We're going to try to wreck, right? The great, the greatness, the great films in our history. They're going to have uh, the the It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, where because he's a white male, a white Christian yeah. male, uh, well, it only lasts about twenty minutes. He discovers that everyone is better off if he never existed. Yeah, and that's I the mean, end we're, of the we're gonna we're gonna have a uh, a trans Toto, I guess, too, for the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a trans Toto, isn't that what they call a furry? <laughs> I don't know. It's a lion, but you know, there's no line they won't cross. You know, to try to like, I guess, kind of attack everything that that we really love and embrace and is, is great. Um, they just they're gonna tear it all down little by little, and it's all so in your face. It's frustrating. One of the stories we didn't talk about this guy Slavit. I forget what he does, but apparently he refused a subpoena from Congress exactly the way Navarro mm -hmm. did. Yeah, and right, like right, right. no big deal. It's just in your face. 
We do not care. That's what I learned from Adam. We don't care. So, okay. What happened to Ed P? <laughs> wow. No. You must have intimidated him. He, he, he got upset over my story about woke, woke Hollywood. You think so? He needed a mo he needed a moment. He needed a moment. All right, Adam, <laughs> the cleanup hitter as always. Well, this this week I actually have a bunch of stories that we didn't hit upon. Uh -oh. No, you get five. Uh, five. All right. Not uh, five minutes. Five stories. The cleanup hitter is going to go for uh, maybe hit for the cycle here at the end. I'll try. I'll try to to not take too long. The first one is almost a throwaway story, but I think uh, it's still worth mentioning. Nikki Haley lost the Nevada primary to none of the above. Uh, now, I realized that there was some quirky rules that <laughs> Trump couldn't be on the ballot because he was going to run in the caucus. Uh, but I still think and, and, and the Trump voters were voting none of the above. But I still think it's symptomatic of, of where her campaign is. Um, so that was one. I uh, just thought it was worth mentioning. Um, the second story, the, the other legal story that I thought you were going to ask me about was the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals saying that Trump is not immune from uh, prosecution for official acts while he was in office. Um, I actually I haven't read the opinion, but just the, the little that I know about it, I think it's a good opinion. Uh, well, I won't say it's a good opinion because I haven't read it, but that seems like the right result to me. Um, and I think that the proper response from attorneys general in places like Texas and Florida and any other red state would be to start indicting Obama for some of the things that Obama did. And uh, the only way any of this is ever going to stop is if our side fights fire with fire, eye for an eye, that kind of thing. Um, but I, I do think, uh, I, I think that I think it will be a bad precedent for the president. I mean, it, Trump argued that it would be a bad precedent for the president to be hounded when he's out of office and it would uh, it would impact his, the way he governed while he's president. And there's some validity. I see the validity to that argument. But I think to me, the stronger argument is nobody is above the law and the president is not above the law. If the president commits criminal acts while he's in office he should be responsible for them and we shouldn't we shouldn't fight the lawfare that's going on against trump by destroying the constitution which is or, or destroying our legal system which is really what the left is after um if the if the president i think really... the argument i think the argument was that um for a president to be charged uh after office he needs needs to have been and, and there is some textual evidence uh, for this in the in the, the Federalist Papers. He needed to be impeached and convicted by the House and the Senate. The, but, but the Federalist the, Papers and the, the founders they say that the founders were, not a criminal procedure. Go ahead. No, it, it's not. But the the point you know is the founders were very cognizant eh, cognizant of the Julius Caesar phenomenon. And um, and so they wanted to make sure there was a political support for this among the elected representatives before a rogue prosecutor goes off and 
starts um, prosecuting uh, an ex-president. And, and that, that is sort of the legal argument. And I understand that because the, the threat to our democracy of uh, going off and starting to impede into um, criminally charged presidents um, is, is extremely high. And that was the destruction of the Roman Republic uh, by trying, by trying to do lawfare against uh, Caesar. And I think the, Founders put the impeachment and conviction clause, and there was this argument. Again, I saw it quoted. I, th I think it was Federalist, but it could be other contemporary writings that said, "Oh no, no, you, you, you definitely, you know, a, a president that's been impeached and convicted definitely can be subject to the criminal law. But if you're not willing to impeach and convict him, obviously he will not have committed high crimes and misdemeanors." That was kind of the argument. I, I do agree that every, no one is above law, um, but I, I do think that when you set up a government, um, you have to make certain what I call engineering compromises to make sure the government works. And this seems like an not unreasonable engineering compromise. Well, another one of the arguments Trump's lawyers made was that the fact that he was impeached and acquitted made this a double jeopardy issue. Do you think it's a double jeopardy issue? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I, 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 like I said, I'm not unsympathetic to the to that argument. Um, I think that there's there's legitimacy to it, but uh, to me, it's outweighed by the possibility that uh, somebody is not, you know, somebody is above the law. I mean, to me, the president is not above the law, and yeah, but they've they've effectively made Trump below the law, haven't they? Because they've distorted Invite law Obama. To go after him. and they, they've ignored his um rights that apply to other people you know attorney client privilege various other things that they, they've they've made him below the law not above the law indict Obama indict big Democrats Wait, make so them curious, suffer the same the same fate. You know, should we indict Obama for knocking off that Arab guy without a trial, the one who was the American citizen? Or I'm just wondering, should we indict Kennedy for killing everybody at the Bay of Pigs? I mean, where about indicting Obama for treason for for allowing the border to be open, for not enforcing immigration law? How about a plea bargain with yeah. Obama that if he agrees that Michelle will never run for office and that he'll leave Washington, we'll leave him alone. Yeah, I mean, I'm just coming up with something that's that's plausible. I mean, the same way that these Trump charges are bullshit. I mean, well, Obama I ordered the murder of an American citizen. Now, the American citizen, not a nice person. So let's get that out of the way. Terrorist. But he ordered the murder of an American citizen. Um, and that's a crime. Right. But that would... Well, and I guess it would be a crime in any jurisdiction. I mean, well, I mean, it's it's a it's a federal crime because it happened outside the country, but still, so you'd need a federal prosecutor. So you'd have to. the The problem is they're all corrupt, and you just need an Alvin Bragg in a red state it, to the extent that anybody in a red state, any Democrat, has ever done any business in the red state. None of these Democrats do any business at all. That's the problem. They're they're they they accept money in their home states. And they accept money in Washington, D.C., and both are controlled by the left. So it's it's almost impossible to go. You know, one of the things we didn't mention, one of the things we didn't mention in that great border bill 
was they snuck in there that all jurisdiction belongs to the circuit court in Washington. Right. That's just like, (laughs) yeah, let's stack the deck. Okay. And um, you got, that was three stories. You got two more. I got two more, but they're basically one. They're so related. Um, We haven't talked about China and we haven't talked about banking in a while, but the Chinese stock market has been in free fall. Uh, The Chinese economy has been in free fall. Um, And the regional banks in this country are in free fall. They've, uh, there have been a couple of runs on uh, New York Community Bank, um, and uh, there's been tremendous outflows from particularly the small regional banks in the U.S., but even in even the large banks are suffering outflows. And there's a Fed program, a Federal Reserve program for propping up the banks that's going to end in March, and people are starting to part of the reason for the runs is that people are anticipating that end and that the banks are in worse shape than they thought. Um, So, you know, there's no conclusion. There's no, you know, we can't point to something and say, Oh, you know, that's, that's the big news, but it's, it's sort of the uh, iceberg beneath the water. Uh, There's economic issues that are coming up. um, and uh, particularly with China, China is having a lot of economic problems right now. Um, and actually, there's a third story that's also related to those two that I'll tie in with that. Um, the Federal Reserve Chairman. Powell, is, this, is this the uh, thing that you were predicting for the last year? Well, I mean, it's related to it because part of what's going on in China is that Evergrande, you know, I think we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Evergrande has been forced to liquidate. Um, and that's putting a lot of pressure on uh, property firms in China. Um, yes, I think it's I think that it's related, but I'm not going to go and start say I deserve credit for predicting something when it's been a couple of years since I said it was happening and it hasn't even happened yet. So uh, but yes, I think it's related to the economic things that I've been talking about for the last couple of years. Oh, I know you you're the one who mentioned Evergrande the most. Fed Chairman Powell, I think this is this is also worth noting and worth noting, uh, you know, juxtaposing with the prior comments um, on December 1st, at the conclusion of the last Fed meeting of last year, uh, Powell said that the economy was uh, that the uh, Fed was going to continue tightening and there was no consideration of of uh reducing interest rates. And then two weeks later on, I think, December 14th, he all of a sudden reversed course and said, we're starting to talk about the need to pivot and pivot soon. And that led to a little bit of of both a stock market rally and fears of of inflation coming back. And then just in the last couple of days, he reversed course again and said, no, the economy is too strong. We're not going to lower rates. The Fed chairman does not do those kinds of, they don't, give that kind of, when they do double talk, it's, they don't say anything. They don't reverse course like that three times in 10 weeks. Something is amiss. Something's going on. We don't know, but uh, it's worth watching. Something is going on behind the scenes and it could be related to what I was just talking about with the banks, with the regional banks having trouble and with China having trouble. Um, It was reported that Xi actually was asking Biden for, for, uh, bailout money, believe it or not, when he was in San Francisco at the end of last year. Um, I don't know that that's confirmed, but that was something that I did read. Um, 
And I don't know if the Fed is is concerned about the world economy, the American economy or what, but um, it doesn't happen that the Fed gives those kind of contradictory signals uh, in such a short time span. Something is going on. We're probably going to find out sooner rather than later. And it was worth pointing out. So those are my stories that we missed for the week. Okay, folks, we're going to wrap up because we're very, very late. Um, want to thank Daniel for showing up from the UK and wish him a wonderful Thursday. Tell thank us you, Daniel. Thursday, tell us how Thursday is for the next Thanks, God. Thanks Ed. Thanks, guys. So we'll know. And um, you made it great, Daniel. Say that again? You made it great. Thanks for being here. Oh, no, no. Yeah, you're always too modest about the rest of you. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Please send feedback to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. Please visit libertyblock.com for the latest articles, opinions, and rants. And we will be back next week at our regular time. Have a wonderful evening.